Hello everyone and welcome to the Skift India Travel Podcast. I'm your host Pedro Doma Butia and in today's episode I have with me my colleague from Skift Research Varsha Arora. Varsha is a research manager at Skift and together we will be exploring a range of topics from the changing visa landscape for Indian travelers to capacity additions by major airlines and a proposed tourist tax uh, in Darjeeling. Welcome, Varsha. Thank you, Pidan. Thank you for having me. Uh, Varsha, I'd like to focus on visa trends and the increasing mobility of Indian travelers at first. Uh, in recent news, countries like Sri Lanka, Thailand and Malaysia have opened their doors with visa-free entry for Indian passport holders. Vietnam is also likely to introduce something similar. So this has resulted in a significant surge in travel in, uh, interest, uh, you know, and then there are, uh, you know, surveys saying that there's been a 28% rise in searches for trips to Thailand after the visa-free announcement. Now, the good news is also that India has seen positive movement in the Henley Passport Index climbing about seven places to the 80th rank. This improvement in mobility score and passport power rank is also complemented by the acceptance of UPI payments in various countries, which has made outbound travel even more attractive for Indian tourists. Isn't it? Right, right. That's a good note to start on. I mean, it's it's just a very positive, uh, sort of a very optimistic trend that we are seeing. Um, to start with, I would say that uh, first of all, in 2022, India was the biggest outbound market in Asia. So now that in itself says something, right? I mean, uh, India had already surpassed South Korea, Japan, and China. So, which is a big deal, right? Now, yeah, there are and two Varsha, Varsha, one more point. Um, I'd like to make one more point that, you know, um, earlier this year, uh, as part of the Skift Megatrends, uh, Skift had predicted that, you know, India would be the new China in the reordering of travel in Asia. So we kind of feel vindicated to, uh, to that point as well. True, true. Uh, I mean, see, China was, uh, China say, uh, uh, saw a very um, slow uh, sort of recovery. If we can refer, refer to the numbers from the Script Travel Health Index, which is our proprietary tool, we sort of track the recovery. And in, by next year, we'll be doing a year-on-year benchmarking on as to how the travel industry is moving. So if you look at the numbers there, uh, India recovered much faster than China. And although it's only this year that we have crossed the 2019 numbers, but in 2022, already India had, uh, you know, a higher uh, share in the outbound market as compared to China. And then if you're referring to the mega trend that we published earlier this year, I would also mention about the demographic dividend that I think we've already covered in one of the podcast episodes. But the point being that all the factors point towards India becoming, uh, you know, uh, a major, major travel uh, outbound market uh, as compared to China. And that is what you can see in the visa trends as well. I mean, all these countries are opening up to India because they uh, are wanting India to becoming uh, to become, you know, one of the major source markets. Because, I mean, we've been reading about it, how destination management organizations are working towards 
sort of flinching away from the Chinese travelers and, um, you know, I mean, uh, just reducing their dependency on China. So, and that is very well uh, evident in how the visa rules uh, are being changed for Indian travelers. And also, if you look at not only the Henle passport index that you mentioned, of course, I mean, that's one benchmark that we follow. And, uh, uh, you know, the ranks have been, haven't been linear, uh, so to say, on the, on the Henle passport index for the Indian passport. It's been moving up and down, but now it's uh, at rank 88th as compared to 87 last year, which is a big, big jump. And also, if you refer to the mobility score, now what mobility score is, I mean, a lot of our, uh, you know, um, audience would already know about it. But just to mention, I mean, mobility score basically defines how many countries are actually accessible on that particular passport. And if I um, talk about the score for India, it has moved up from 48 in 2015 to 77 in 2023. Again, like a big, big jump. So, I mean, just to just to sort of uh, summarize that, yes, we are seeing positive changes in visa policies and global rankings with respect to the Indian passport, um, which is very well shown in the growing outbound travel market numbers and the kind of destinations that India, Indians are wanting to travel to. Now, I mean, uh, we have written about this, Dubai, US, Thailand, Saudi, and Singapore are the top destinations on uh, the Indian traveler's mind. And since I mentioned US here, we are talking about visa access becoming easy for Indians, but since US is on the top of the list with respect to destinations, let me just mention about the challenges that uh, we've been facing. And I mean, Skift has been very vocal about it uh, as a company also. Yes, in Um, fact, fact, if I check today, if I check, if I checked today, and there is still a wait time of more than 500 days, uh, you know, for um, for a US tourist visa. So, and exactly. this is despite the, the fact that India is the second largest non North American market for the US. Yes, you know, and still you know, a challenge. Right. True. I mean, it is the biggest uh, outbound uh, source market. Um, and still, there are being issues. There are 500 days of uh, wait time, which is a lot. And in fact, even this year, despite of the challenges in the first six months, we Indians were uh, on the top of the uh, on the top of the ranks uh, with respect to the inbound source market. So I mean, and also just to put it in cost perspective, how much will this wait time uh, cost the economy, uh, the American economy? Uh, the U.S. Travel Association it forecasted that these delays will cost around twelve billion dollars in lost traveler spending this year. So. I mean, just to give a perspective of how much money is on the table when you uh, bring uh, when you talk about the U.S. visa challenges for India. Uh, absolutely, and Varsha, like you mentioned, you know, in spite of the fact that whatever the challenges might be, uh, you know, the demand for U.S. visas from India has reached you know record highs, and you know, with uh, I think almost about eight hundred thousand Indian travelers visited the U.S. in the first six months of twenty twenty three. So that's a huge jump, and I we can only hope and pray that you know this situation is corrected soon enough. Uh, 
Uh, moving on from Visa, I wanted to talk to you about this exciting development that's happening in the India market about capacity additions by major airlines. You know, Indigo, of course, and Air India are leading the way with you know strategic expansions to meet the demands of Indian travelers. And another good news that we covered recently was the fact that you know Indigo is set to be the first airline partner for India's new uh, the Noida International Airport, the second uh, airport at Delhi when it begins its first phase of operations by probably by the end of next year. So, you know, with this, of course, Indigo will be enhancing the air connectivity in Uttar Pradesh and surrounding regions, uh, addressing the growing travel needs of these areas as well. And then, of course, Air India is making a significant strides by uh, introducing these non-stop services to Phuket in Thailand, Melbourne in Australia, and um, it has about, uh, I think uh, Air India would be having about more than 400 weekly flights added until March 2024, right? And then there is the connectivity to Europe and United States as well, providing more uh, options for travelers. Right. Okay. So my uh, sort of insight here would be two-pronged. One, so see, uh, if you look at it from a, from a bird's eye view, uh, Indigo is sort of going deeper into the domestic market and is also forming court shares with Turkish to uh, to have access to the European market. That's how I see the Indigo expansion. Yes, to be uh, but also it's interesting, Varsha, that you know Indigo has also um, developed connectivity. Is also looking at international in a big yes. way. You know, yes. ever since Peter Elbers uh, has joined at the helm, yeah. I see that Indigo has more international ambitions as well true i mean uh, you can see it in the fleet orders i mean they already have 500 orders for airbus uh 320s but along with that they're also considering boeings so which which just reflects how their network is going to develop and there will be an increased focus on international for sure um having said that air india who already has the fleet available and uh, the fleet is very flexible with respect to international and domestic i mean they can just swap it any which way they want now if you look at the kind of routes they are wanting to start it again reflects uh you know um the destination choices for india uh, for indians i mean so i mean uh they are starting most of the new flights are starting it comes in the mid hall section you talk about dhaka you talk about phuket so that's the mid hall and in the in the long haul they are sort of targeting us again they are starting a new flight to new york uh mm-hmm. there is melbourne again like a big vfr market for the for the indian community mm-hmm. so the expansion very well shows where the Indians are planning to sort of travel in the future. And just to back it up, uh, Skiff Research did a survey of the Indian market in August 2023. Again, like if I talk about the figures from that uh, that particular survey, there are 54% of people who are wanting to travel long haul next year versus 39% who are wanting to travel mid haul. When I talk about international, of course. Now, mm-hmm. these numbers, obviously, now having uh, the recent visa access changes, this these numbers would have already improved for mid-haul, I'm sure. But the point being that that's the kind of split. I mean, it's it will be sort of a 50-50 share between mid-haul and long-haul. 
uh, when it comes to international uh, uh, travel, right? And mm-hmm. Australia, Canada, and US being the top three destinations for Indians, as per the Stiff Research Survey. Mm-hmm. So also, also, Farsha, what's interesting is that you know um, what you've mentioned about um, Air India and Indigo. Uh, let's also, uh, you know, we should also turn our attention towards Akasa, which is a very new yes. airline but akasa has also got uh, permission to fly international so it's also looking right. at the short to medium haul uh, uh, markets mm-hmm. yes true i mean akasa recently not i mean obviously port blair doesn't come as a mid haul section but the but they are trying to go international as well which basically is going to be very well suited for the mid-haul fancy that Indians have for next year. I mean, uh, around 40% of them are wanting to travel mid-haul. And if you talk about mid-haul, we currently have Indigo dominating uh, in terms of fares. If I talk about the price sensitivity of Indigo, uh, of the Indian people, uh, I would say Indigo is their first preference. Now with Akasa coming in, it will be a super competitive environment to be in, which obviously is a win-win for the customers. So, and since Correct. I and am I bringing probably, up... Uh, probably that will also see the fares come down a little. Exactly. And, uh, I'm yes. just hoping because, you know, because right now, uh, yes, the fares are not, are a bit yeah. on the higher side. So probably that will see the fares coming down a little. True. I mean, just to tie it up, I mean, we spoke about fares going down and we also initially spoke about how visa regulations are being eased now. Now, just to bring a very interesting observation from the India survey, there were around uh, 13% people who said that they're not planning to travel next year because of the prices of flights, while there were 22% of people who did not want to travel next year because of visa issues or because of some passport issue in slash uh, updation issue so we're talking about approximately 40 percent in total now when you bring in the capacity which air india and indigo and akasa or for that matter all airlines in india are wanting to uh, do along with the visa uh, processes being uh, you know getting easier indian passport rank improving it all sort of comes down boils down to the point that you know, these concerns of the customers will be resolved and the outbound market, I mean, Indigo is, sorry, India is already on its peak and all the projections uh, give a very positive view on how it's going to be growing in the next few decades. But these issues are, you're, you can already see them being worked on, right, with the capacity addition mm-hmm. and visa mm-hmm. processes. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, you know, we know that there is a rising middle class coming up in India yes. and uh, and everybody wants to with, uh, you know, disposable income and their first priority is travel. And then, of course, there is also the, uh, you know, the options such as flexible financing, like travel now, pay later. Uh, last week, I had uh, Sam Cash uh, at the podcast and they spoke about how Indians, more and more Indians are, uh, you know, traveling, upgrading the destination, upgrading the way in which they travel through these travel now, the later options as well. True. And also, I mean, uh, just to mention uh, from the airline strategy uh, point of view, they 
like what Air India, what Air Indigo are wanting to do is sort of a first mover advantage. I mean, the kind mm-hmm. of demand that we are seeing, if the Indian carriers do not fill in the gap, there will be international carriers coming in, right? I mean, Sri Lankan already is sort of, uh, you know, routing a lot of traffic via India. So, I mean, you can see, and then there was Mantire who started, uh, 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 you know, services yes. between Bombay and Maldives recently. Maldives. Yes. So, so the point being that it's actually very crucial that this capacity gets added and for Air India and Indigo to move fast on this, because if not them, there will be uh, some carrier filling in this gap because... I mean, we are not talking about a new topic. Everyone knows that the India travel market is going to be just booming in the in the coming decade. So, cool. I mean, obviously, everyone would want to have a piece of it. So, first, I mean, it's, it's just the first mover advantage that these uh, carriers should, you know, sort of focus on. Correct. Um, uh, you know, um, we've spoken a lot about outbound travel, Varsha. I wanted to speak a little bit about domestic as well, because domestic travel is huge in India. You know, and um, there is there is this propose uh, this issue of proposed tourism tax brewing in the small hill station of Darjeeling. Um, the and uh, the funny thing is that uh, you know. It's just that the Darjeeling municipality is considering levying, uh, you know, a, a daily tourism tax of 20 rupees, which is about, you know, 25 cents per visitor above the age of five. Okay. Um, but there is a lot of uh, opposition that the plan is facing from local hoteliers because they cite concerns about past failures and tax collection. And uh, there are worries about you know the lack of proper uh, processes in place. But uh, every time any destination decides to impose something called a tourism tax, I I know that it's met with a lot of resistance as well. But um, that this destinations also say that this is more to uh, you know more uh, a step towards sustainability to prevent overcrowding but you know a tax of 20 rupees is definitely not something that you know uh, whereas we have destinations like Bhutan with like you know 250 dollar tax uh, you know tourism tax Um, what what do you what do you make of uh, you know these tourism taxes and uh, especially in, in a country like India, where overcrowding could be a problem. I mean, like I've seen, I've seen, you know, I live, I, I am, I come from Darjeeling and I know that I've seen how, uh, you know, there's been a surge in tourism traffic post-COVID in Darjeeling. And uh, for the first time in my life, I've experienced uh, traffic jams in Darjeeling, which was, which was not there at all. And this is all due to uh, this tourism influx that the uh, that the small hill station is witnessing, and there is no infrastructure to match uh, that those tourism numbers. Right. Um, how I see it is that it's not an issue with the propensity to pay or for the travelers to pay that amount for sure. Uh, I mean, and we have data to back up. I'll just talk about it in a bit, but. 
I think the problem is with the implementation part of it. Now, for example, you mentioned the Darjeeling tax, right? It's not the first time it's being done. It's already been, uh, it's, it's like three times that the state government has tried to levy that tax. All mm-hmm. the three times it just faded off and it never took shape, right? Why is that uh, issue? Because, and even this time, if you see the resistance is from the hotelier side. Now, their point is that, you know, we don't want to take the onus of uh, charging this amount from uh, our customers, which is okay. I mean, uh, you know, the processes can be talked about, but the way it's being implemented is just not correct. And we know that. I mean, uh, it's not a hotelier's uh, sort of prerogative to do that. Instead, how it happens in Bhutan, for example, is that at the entry point of the country or, you know, at the entry point, you the customers or the travelers are charged with a certain amount. And that's how it should be. Now, so that's basically putting the onus on the wrong stakeholder, right? And then also, if you look into this problem, they had, you know, sort of given a tender to an ex-third party to collect these taxes. Now, I mean, you can you can already figure out how flawed that process would be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so yeah, I mean, uh, so that's the supply part of it, right? We aren't being able to give those sustainable travel choices to the travelers. So that's, I mean, I how I see it is the issue is on the supply side and not on the demand side. As mm-hmm. far as the demand is concerned, I mean, we did. Uh, we did an India survey last year and we also did a business traveler survey focused on India last year. And I have some stats from that, which says that, you know, 90% of people actually believe that their companies are ready to pay extra, you know, certain amount extra to pay for a sustainable travel choice. So, okay. I know the, the, you know, the critics would say that there is a big say do gap. People say that they're going to pay, but they don't pay. But if the number is at 90%, and even if we cut it off by half, I would say 50% of people are still wanting to pay that little extra for sustainability. So, yeah, I mean, just to just to sort of conclude, I mean, the, the problem is with the implementation of these taxes and addressing these issues rather than, you know, uh, the amount that is charged or people's willingness to pay. Yeah, and I think we should also acknowledge that uh, over-tourism is a concern in India because, uh, you know, that's why that's why the Ministry of Tourism is trying to look, develop more, uh, you know, tourism destinations because they want to split the traffic because, you know, when uh, whenever it's summers, you can see the, uh, there's always this these vi- pictures that go viral of these long trail of cars, uh, you know, extending to Shimla and to other hill stations. So over tourism is definitely a problem in India. No, definitely, and even uh, like I mean, if you read about this Darjeeling case, uh, the locals there are totally supporting this move, and they want this tax uh, to be uh, this charge to be implemented as well. So. I mean, from a local's perspective, and as you also mentioned, I'm being from Darjeeling, you know how things have changed over time and definitely overcrowding is an issue here.
I mean, one is yeah, that India's I mean, like, population is increasing already. So we have exactly. a lot of people, and now you add the tourists to it. So it's a lot. And then, and then, and then there is this propensity to travel as well, right? I mean, like people exactly. do not want to sit, uh, you know, be it a long weekend or anything. People are just out and about. I mean, like they are not, they are not just sitting at homes or just going to the nearby mall. What they want to do is travel. Yes. Yes, true. The easy access to travel, all what we spoke about, right? The capacity addition, mm-hmm. India middle class mm-hmm. growing, it's all obviously linked and is just going to increase the numbers and which will be causing the issue of overcrowding at some point, if not right now. So That's great, Varsha. Thank you so much for this discussion. It was, it was really nice to discuss, you know, the headlines that we've been reading about for the past few weeks and thank you so much for coming online and talking to us thank you so much Pirin. thank you for having me okay and that wraps up today's episode we hope you enjoyed this deep dive into the latest trends and challenges shaping the travel landscape in india do join us next time as we continue to explore the ever-evolving world of travel and tourism thank you This has been the Skift India Travel Podcast. Thank you for listening.